Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What changed in your mind and in the organization's mind uh, regarding spirit? Whew. You know, I don't know that it really uh, a lot changed. I mean, there, there's just so many things that have, that have taken place since then, Gary. I think what I would say that I've learned over the last handful of years is uh, things change by the day, and you probably want to be careful making blanket statements when you, you can't predict the future. I think the unfair narrative has been that some of our decrease in production is exclusively on the quarterback. That's not true at all. Uh, I think... Certainly, I have a big hand in that. I have to be able to look myself in the mirror and acknowledge and be able to evolve, improve, and take ownership in that. Uh, I do know that the head coach and the quarterback are the ones that always, sometimes you get too much credit or too much blame, but I'm not going to run away from the blame that's deserved on my end. But what I do think is important is that, you know, the narrative becomes, all right, oh, this is the outlet for why the offense wasn't what it was. That is, that's that's unfair to Jared, and I think it's disrespectful to what he's done over the last four years. You know, uh, <laughs> Peter, I, we we've seen press conferences, and, and you know, there's all sorts of tells, and the 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 deep breath by Sean McVay, the whoo, <laughs> like man, how am I going to answer this question without saying what I really <laughs> think about Jared Goff? <laughs> How am I going to answer this question that I knew was coming? Yeah. I still can't figure it out. I've been thinking about it for two days. Yeah. Uh, God, hey, uh, uh, whew. That's, you know, anytime it starts with whew, you, you know what comes next is going to be entertaining, but maybe all not, not that all, all, all enlightening. Uh, hey, and I appreciate that these coaches and general managers are doing media availability on their own. They otherwise would be doing it at the combine. It would be a much more organic and realistic background than whatever they, they, they put together on Photoshop and put behind McVay. But yeah, look, they, they got rid of Jared Goff and he was far more candid about Jared Goff before he traded him. You'd think now he'd take the gloves off. I mean, they were throwing the guy under the bus repeatedly late last year. It was stunning the stuff Sean McVay was saying about Jared Goff. I'm surprised that all of a sudden he's being guarded with his words. I mean, why would he, why would he say, for instance, let's just well, say, no, he gains say nothing. Sean he gains McVay, nothing at this point. He gains nothing by it. He gains nothing by it. So in other words, you know, you could, and plus, plus, I believe that Sean McVay feels bad about what happened. Because remember, Mike, right after he signed his own ridiculously large extension, he approved, well nigh pushed to be joined at the hip with Jared Goff. He cost Stan Kroenke a crap load of money, you know, that wasn't particularly well spent as we've looked at the last two years. Okay, but 
So he, he, he spent a huge amount of money. And now he brings in another quarterback. And, it, and I'm just saying that he better be right with Stafford. Because if he's yeah. not right with Stafford, the next quarterback he goes to Stan Kroenke and says, oh, we need uh, three number ones or whatever. We need this to go get this quarterback. And if we get him, oh, there's the final piece. Kroenke is going to look at him, being the businessman that he is, and says, are you really the man I thought you were? Honestly. And so, look, and, and look, they are not there yet. They are not close to being there because I believe, you believe, we all believe that Matthew Stafford's going to be really good with the Rams. So I don't think it's going to come to that. But all I'm saying is it better not come to that. Peter, that is a great point. And when you throw on top of it the money they gave to Todd Gurley a year earlier, millions and millions, millions upon millions of Stan Kroenke's money gone forever. And something occurred to me as you were making that excellent point. When they did the trade, and it's not official yet, it could still in theory fall apart, but it likely won't, most likely, undoubtedly won't. The Matthew Stafford for Jared Goff, two ones and a three going to the Lions. You know, that transaction allowed the Rams to gloss over the Brock Osweiler hot potato element of that deal. And I spoke to a general manager right after that deal was leaked, announced whatever, and we came to a loose conclusion that it was a one and a three for Stafford and a one given up to the Lions to take the awful Jared Goff contract off the books. And by doing it in one transaction, it wasn't as obvious as the Osweiler deal, right? It's okay. Oh, Matthew Stafford, two ones and a three, franchise quarterback. I wonder how much of that was aimed at keeping Stan Kroenke from figuring out that they gave up a first round pick to get that horrible contract off the books. Well, look, Mike, you know, when I look at this trade, I look at it a little bit differently because, look, Brad Holmes is not doing that trade, the new general manager of the Lions. He's not doing that trade if he believes that Jared Goff is unfixable. He just, I believe he just would not have done it. He would have trade. he might have traded Matthew Stafford to the Rams, but he would have taken one of his other players that he has drafted there as a director of college scouting. But he believes, and I'm told Dan Campbell has watched tape and also believes that Jared Goff is fixable. And so why not take a couple of years and take this quarterback and see if you can fix him? And at the end of a couple of years, if you can't, you basically say no harm, no foul. We gave it a go. And we got two ones out of it. So that is a risk well worth taking. Just amazing to think that Holmes with the Rams, with Les Snead as the GM, Sean McVay as the head coach, there would be such a different viewpoint on Jared Goff where the Rams couldn't wait to get rid of him after the season ended and that Holmes looks at him as a guy that they welcome to Detroit. Now, it's not like they were going to convince Matthew Stafford to stick around. He was ready to go, and they let him go. I mean, Stafford would be right there with Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson now if the Lions hadn't been so willing to accommodate his request to get out of Detroit after 12 seasons. But, uh, you know, I guess if you're not going to have Stafford, at least Goff is a known entity, and Holmes has seen the best of what Goff can do, and maybe they can get something better. you got to have a running game. You got to have a running guy. You got to have, you don't necessarily have to have Todd Gurley, but without Todd Gurley or without Todd Gurley of 2017 and most of 2018, it was a different Jared Goff. And I think if the Lions can put that around Goff, they're going to need some receivers. They're going to need the running back. They need to keep Kenny Galladay. They're going to need to fix, figure something out, but uh, they, they, uh, they could, they could be better than we think they will be and better than they've been in recent years. All right. Let's open up the mailbag. And we've got some questions, not just that came through the PFT Twitter account, but also through the Peter King Football Morning in America mailbag. And I love this one for a variety. You love my, you love my mail, don't you, Mike? Yeah, yes, People I do. People have and how about zero this? respect for me. They rip well, the living crap out of me. <laughs> Peter, that's that's well, welcome to the internet. We've, we've been dealing with that ever since we first logged on and put our names out there. But here's this one. Peter, you need to get off the wacky weed. 
with your six <laughs> for one and seven for one trade ideas. Great, great ideas this week, by the way, for the different trades that could happen. Regardless of Kyle Shanahan's bromance with Kirk Cousins, no way a sane GM allows the trade to be made. No way the Niners should compound their error for not signing Tom Brady as a free agent last March by trading for Cousins this year. And you had a great three-way trade of Cousins to the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo to the Houston Texans, and Deshaun Watson to the Vikings. My reaction to that on Monday was, Peter, don't tease me like that. And and I'll defend you on this one. I think Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan would be great together. I think Shanahan would love to have Kirk Cousins. I just don't think the Vikings are going to move Kirk Cousins because Cousins is going to save Mike Zimmer's job for 2022. Look, here's here's the basic point that I tried to get across and I should have said it in these exact words. As a matter of fact, I'm answering the question in my column on Monday. And what I'm basically saying is everybody responds and says that, hey, what do you mean? Kirk Cousins isn't better than Garoppolo. I said, there's one factor that none of you are talking about. And that is Kirk Cousins has played 95 of the last 96 regular season games. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo has played 25 of the last 48 regular season games. Hmm. Guy who's there half the time, guy who's there all the time. Which one would you rather have, Mike? Yep. Without question. Without question. I think I think Kirk Cousins is in a higher stratosphere than Jimmy Garoppolo when both are healthy. And I've been as critical of Kirk Cousins as anyone. I think there's a hard ceiling over what he will be able to take a team to. I don't think he's going to take a team to a conference championship. I don't think he's taking a team to a Super Bowl. But he's better than Garoppolo. When it's working for Cousins, he can make all the throws. He can run that Kyle Shanahan offense. I think, and, and really, to elaborate on my points, so everyone understands where I'm coming from on Cousins. I think the Vikings understand that they're not going to find a suitable replacement for Cousins. They'll have a bad year, and that's when people start getting fired. They need to get back to the playoffs this year. They've got that roller coaster in Minnesota where it's one year, no playoffs, next year, playoffs, and that's good enough, apparently, for the Wilfs but they got to get to the playoffs this year, and they need Kirk Cousins to do it. They're not going to move Kirk Cousins. Uh, now, I guess if they could get Deshaun Watson, if your if your idea would work, maybe maybe they would. But uh, I, I think I think Shanahan would love to get Kirk Cousins if he could. But the only way the Vikings are going to consider it is if they have an upgrade over Kirk Cousins. And yeah, nice graphic, by the way. That's good. <laughs> I like the graphic. But they're, they're not going to find one. They're just not going to find one. Yeah, and and look. Uh, I, I have my issue with Cousins. I think anybody who watches him consistently will have issues with him. But the fact is, you know, you've got to play somebody at quarterback who can uh, who can have great games and who you might think, geez, you know, it would be better to have Mahomes. Well, I, I'd be better if I looked like Brad Pitt. And so uh, <laughs> you you have to live you have to live in the world that you're in. And let's not all of a sudden just say that Kirk Cousins is useless. He's a usable, good to sometimes very good NFL quarterback. And all I can say is there is value in a guy being there every week. And Kirk Cousins is there every week. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't. By the way, speaking of Brad Pitt, for those of you watching the program on Peacock, one of the selections uh, from the, the vast movie database, Burn After Reading, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Francis McDormand, worth your hour and a half. Quick movie, great, and Brad Pitt is excellent in it. Shameless plug for the various uh, content available on Peacock. All right, Uncle Phil, hey, uh, sometimes you ask a question and it makes it to two different shows. We had it last night on PFTPM. Peter, I want your take on this question from Uncle Phil. Circumstances are different, but who lasts longer in Seattle? A, Russell Wilson, B, Pete Carroll, or C, they're both gone like Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson in the same offseason. I mean, that's the $100,000 question. My guess right now as we sit here is Pete Carroll. And as we talked about in the first segment, you know, I'm not saying that's the right way to go, but I'm saying that it looks like that's the way they're going to go, that they're going to choose the coach who turned 70 this year over the quarterback who is 32 and who has eight to 10 years left. 
Yeah, and I, I, I agree that I think Carol is going to be there longer just because I feel like this thing has already hit critical mass. The question is, when does the explosion happen this year or next year? I don't think I, – I, if I had to guess, I'd say the over-under is next March 17 or whenever the league year begins in 2022. FMIA reader Kevin Worsing has a question about Deshaun Watson. If he's worth a ton of draft picks in a vacuum, but then the team that gives up those picks – degrades its overall talent to the level where Houston currently is, what's the point? And and that's that's the be careful what you wish for side of this for Deshaun Watson because you do get your trade, team gives up a lot to get you, and you look around and you're on a 4-12 and roster again. Absolutely, and that's got to be a concern of Deshaun Watson. But I would look for... I'd look long-term if I'm Deshaun Watson. You don't want to get traded to a team and then think, well, you know, where am I going in two years? You don't want to do this. You want to make this a permanent move. And that's why I think a place like Carolina makes a lot of sense. Even if Carolina is at least partially denuded of its really good young talent, even if it costs you maybe McCaffrey or 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 a uh, you know one or two other pieces of that young puzzle. I'd really try to draw the line at Brian Burns though, the the pass rusher. That is a keeper long term for them. But you you put your faith in a coach who you believe is going to be there for the next 5 to 7 years and who's got a chance to build a continuum over a long period of time. And that's why I would believe in Matt Rule right now if I were the camp of Deshaun Watson. I would think that Matt Rule, Scott Fitter, the new GM, and especially this owner who is a desperado, who's going to do everything in his power and get involved and make sure that this thing is going in the right direction. I think they have the pieces in place to build a good team long term. They just don't have a great quarterback long-term. And I guarantee you one thing David Tepper will not do. He will not say one thing to his franchise quarterback and do something else. Tepper gets that part of it. It's not that hard to figure out. But Tepper wants that franchise quarterback so badly. He's got the coach he wants, the GM he wants, and now he wants that franchise quarterback. Another Deshaun Watson question, Peter, and we've, we've kick this around from time to time but given where things are right now it's important to raise it again a red zone out asks the question is it the time for deshaun watson to speak up he's handled his business quietly and privately in contrast to russell wilson who had that that epic interview with dan patrick is it time for deshaun watson to say something about what he wants and why he wants it I don't think so, Mike. There's no, I I don't see that much of an upside for him to speak today or, you know, in the next uh, few weeks, let's say. I think time might come two weeks before the draft, let's say, if uh, Nick Casario is still stuck on, I'm not responding to to trades or to, to any trade offers. But to me right now, you know, his words can die in the wilderness. You know, everybody knows what he wants. He wants a trade. We all know it. If the Texans become willing to trade him before the draft, then maybe he doesn't have to open his mouth and talk about, here's why I want to trade. Okay? Because, Mike, you you have a feeling, don't you, that he's got a couple of things that he's holding back, Right? that he's got a couple of things he's holding back that at the right time, he's going to say them. It just doesn't feel like February 26th is the right time. It just doesn't make that much sense to me. If the Texans are willing to do this on their own, I'm going to take those secrets to my grave. I think that makes a ton of sense. You're right. And the fact that he could ultimately go public with some things that would further embarrass the team could be the thing that finally gets them to do what he wants. I mean, two weeks ago, they they let J.J. Watt go at a time when Watt was becoming increasingly salty, a little sign of belligerence, and maybe they didn't want to get into a fight with J.J. Watt publicly over his desire to be released, so they let him go. 
once they think that 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 may be coming with Deshaun Watson, maybe they view it differently. Peter, I just I'm just perplexed by. I understand in theory why you say we just paid this guy a bunch of money. We're not going to trade him, but if he's determined to get out, once they realize he means it, I don't know. Do they do they not think he means it? Once they realize he means it, the question becomes. When and how are you going to move on? Because he's moving on. He'll sit out. He'll pay back money. Uh, somebody explained it perfectly right. a few weeks ago. He came from nothing. Even if he has to pay back a lot of the money yeah. he's already received, he's still got plenty more than he ever dreamed he was going to have. He'll sit. He'll Mike, wait. I, and at some I'm point, tell he'll make you, the move. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you two things right now that in the last few days, as I've been making calls about this, one of the things I called someone who knows Deshaun Watson very well. And I said, okay, Deshaun Watson's made $27.1 million or $28.1 million uh, since September. Okay. Here's a guy who's never had real money in his life. You know, he comes from uh, mo very modest means. And, you know, he is a guy who basically has never really had much until just right now. So if you were to tell Deshaun Watson, okay, listen, your salary this year, it's like $10 million. And if you sit out and sit out all of training camp and take the fines, which can't be rescinded, that's another $2.4 I think it is. So if you do all that, if you do all that, <coughs> you know, it's going to cost you, let's say, $10.3 million. You know, are you, or $13 million, I'm sorry. Are you willing to do that? I this person who I asked said Deshaun Watson wouldn't even think twice about it. He would say, "Of course I'm willing to do that." Even though, even though this is monumental money, it's more about starting somewhere else in Deshaun Watson's mind right now. Two other factors to consider when we do that math. One, if he sits out the whole year, he owes another 5.4 million back to the team in unearned signing bonus money. Now, now it gets complicated. He'd get that back if he comes back next year. And see, if he'd sit out a whole year and they never give in, which I'd, I'd be stunned, beyond stunned, if it got to that point where he would cave after a year and come back. But if he does come back in a year, his contract's been told. His salary next year becomes... 10 right. million, the same 10 million he was going to make this the year. Same. It's, cur it's right. currently due to be 35 million in 2022. So, on top of everything you lose now, when you come back, if you finally just say, Uncle, uh, you win, Texans, you've, you've beaten me down, you've proven to me that you're not going to let me go and I'm coming back, you're out 25 million on the back end because you're waiting another year to get to your 35 million. Now, eventually, you know, you keep playing, you could argue, well, sitting out a year, he can extend his career a year and, you know, maybe you make all that money back and then some. But uh th th this gets very expensive for Deshaun Watson, but no matter how expensive it is, Peter, you're right. He doesn't care. And that's what stuns me about the Texans position because unless they believe it some unless they're just willing to let him sit forever like Mike Brown was with Carson Palmer. Unless they're willing to do that, and Brown eventually traded him when two first-round picks landed in his lap, but unless they're willing to let him sit out forever, I don't know what the end game is for the Texans. The end game basically is to do everything humanly possible to try to fix this, to try to mend this. And Fire honestly, Jack Easterby. That would fix it. That yeah. would. I don't know that that would even matter at this point. I don't think it would I matter once, at this I point. once said, you know... A few weeks ago, I asked Jimmy Johnson, we were going over this, and one of the things that Jimmy Johnson said to me, it was he was kind of chuckling when he said this. I said, well, here are the problems. You know, Jack Easterby, blah, blah, blah. And he says, Jack Easterby? He said, I'd call Deshaun Watson tomorrow and basically say, okay, we just fired Jack Easterby. <laughs> you know, I mean, because that's the way Jimmy thinks. That's the way yeah. Jimmy thinks. It go, That's almost like in the, in the uh, you know, that... Any logical business, bottom line businessman would think, okay, so, but, but I think, Mike, that this, the only way this has a chance, literally the only way this has a chance is for Cal McNair to sit down with Deshaun Watson. And if I were Deshaun Watson, I would actually want that because 
I would want to say to, to Cal McNair, Cal, listen, I'm never going to trust you. It doesn't matter what you say to me here right now, how we try to fix things, whatever. I'm not going to trust you. Now, I don't know that Deshaun Watson would say that, but you know, if he did, I think that would go a long way toward facilitating this trade. But I would still want, if I'm Cal McNair, I'd want to look my franchise quarterback in the face. And probably you would too, Mike, and just say, I made a mistake and I want to fix this. I want well, to fix I gar- this. I- Let's I talk about you. how we yeah. can fix it. Listen, if I owned an NFL team, I would screw things up in many, many ways. But I can guarantee you I would never say something to one of my players and not live up to it. Or I would not create the accidental impression that I had made a promise that I had failed to deliver. Communication is the key, and delivering on your promises is critical in any business. No manager is, is worth a damn if he or she isn't willing to make simple, direct messages and honor the things that were said and not do something else. That's where this went off the rails. And that's why firing Jack Easterby wouldn't be the answer. Because if I'm Deshaun Watson and they say we fired Jack Easterby, it's like, fine. But you know what? It's just a matter of time before there's another Jack Easterby. Because the guy who's making the hires is is not making the right hires at the upper levels of the organization. All right. Uh, let's get to one more question here. Terrell1082. What did you think, Peter, about the piece from ESPN.com about the NFL Players Association. Uh, and and for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's over 10,000 words from Don Van Atta Jr. and Seth Wickersham. It goes back 10 years or longer in kind of where the union is and how it's gone and where it's developed and not developed under DeMora Smith. Your reaction to the article. And did you read it all? And if you did, I'm sending you a T-shirt. I did read it all. I probably... Uh... If I were the editor on that, I probably would have nipped away at it a little bit. I thought it was, when you're writing about the players' union, I don't know how many people are reading whatever it was, twelve or 13,000 words. But to me, it was kind of a damning, uh, uh, a damning story uh, for, for D. Smith. And it also didn't make Drew Brees look very good because of all the money that Drew Brees has taken. I still, I went back and read that section again. Okay, and the money that uh, was given to Drew Brees from the union, obviously a lot of it was, you know, it had to do with royalty type exactly. But there was exactly a, there was a lot. Uh, there's a lot of money that changed hands there, right? But Peter, because he's on the executive committee, the money he gets shows up in the form 990 that the NFLPA has to submit every year, showing what the high level executives make. If you had Tom Brady on the executive committee, it would have been a number like that. If you had Ezekiel Elliott, if you had Dak Prescott, if you had anyone on there that moves merchandise, that's going to show up. They didn't give Drew Brees some giant pile of money just to be on the exact. I mean, what do you get out of that? And what does he need it for? It's a reflection of the money he's getting from the NFLPA. And, and it felt like it felt like. And, and I, I want to choose my words carefully here. I got enough enemies. I'm not looking to make more. But to me, it felt like a gratuitous effort to stir up crap on a topic where a true and honest and thorough understanding of the issue made it a non-issue. That, that was my takeaway. Yeah. I think the other, part, the other part of it that was kind of bothersome is that there's, it's very clear that many among the rank and file and not just stars are not happy playing the 17th game. And many really don't know why all of a sudden this became, well, that's the only thing the NFL would take. So if we wanted to get a deal done that advanced our causes in minimum salary, in in bigger payments, uh, pension payments to retired players and all those things, if we wanted to do that, we had to accept a 17th game. And I think at first it was only like Aaron Rodgers and, and some of the big stars saying, why? What happened? But you get the feeling now that I'm not saying it was a landslide. There's an awful lot of people who are saying, where did this 17th game come from? And I understand D. Smith wants to make a deal. And Mike, I said this at the time. This is the one thing that was not in this story that if I were editing the story, I probably would have said, 
to Seth and Don that in my opinion, the reason that D. Smith made this deal and why everybody says, oh, because anybody who makes a deal without going on strike, oh, he's in the owner's pocket. Okay, that's that's how it is. But one of the things when I looked at this deal is that D. Smith knows that he does not have players who will stomach a strike. Exactly. He just doesn't. And that's why a deal got made. That D. Smith knows that, okay, they could go out on strike and they could they could carry picket signs in August. Okay? But when guys start missing their $2 million checks, the real high-paid guys, and, and the medium-paid guys start missing their $300,000 checks for missing a game, all of a sudden they're going to say, hmm, is the principal really worth it? That's the reality here, Peter. And it's very easy for the people who would like to have D. Smith's job or who'd like to be hired by someone who would get D. Smith's job. There are so many people out there with an agenda who were quoted in this story without their agenda being mentioned, which kind of bothered me. But there are so many people out there who have an anti-D. Smith agenda because they want that job. Once you're in that job, what you realize is you're operating with one hand tied behind your back because management will take a work stoppage and they won't blink. They'll skip a year and they won't blink. The players won't skip a week. They won't skip a month. Look at what happened in 1987. You covered it. They went on strike. What they what the NFL do? They replaced all the players. And then within three weeks, Steve Largent's crossing the picket line. This guy's crossing the picket line. And it all caters. The players won't take a work stoppage that involves them losing game checks. And because of that, right, D. Smith is essentially hurting cats in this job because you've got different agendas, you've got different interests, you've got different players making different amounts of money, you've got different players with different levels of experience, different positions. It's almost impossible to get everyone on the same page. And the reality is, if they want to fight, they're going to quickly learn what they learned in 1987. The fight is not going to last very long. And the one other thing I think, Mike, about this, and and one of the reasons why I think D. Smith is really in an impossible situation. It isn't just that players won't take a strike, okay? It's that so many players have disparate priorities, okay? Now, well made in that story, a point that was very well made, is the point that the practice squad players and the minimum salary players, all of whom were eligible to vote on this, what are they going to say? They're going to say, hey, wait a second. My minimum salary, if I'm an active player, is going to go up pretty quickly to $610,000. So that's a lot better than whatever it would be without that, which is whatever it is, 470, I forget what it is. But, but so those, remember, those people exist too. This isn't just the tweets from J.J. Watt and and Aaron Rodgers and the big stars saying that we don't like this deal and here's why. Well, I mean, J.J. Watt's vote counts the same as the 53rd player on the roster in Cincinnati. And the 53rd player on the roster is going to think a lot differently than J.J. Watt on this. And that's why I think as much as we can sit here and we could say, oh, they didn't get a great deal. Well, I think the players and the practice squad players and the low players on, on the low end of the totem pole, those guys are pretty happy with this deal because it's a lot better than the deal that they just had. A normal union does not have such a varied array of you know, income levels, incentives, right. how many years left, and how long they're even going to be in the business in the first place. It's very, very difficult to harmonize the interests of everyone. Some would say it's impossible to harmonize those interests. Let's take a break. We can review Speed Round up next on this Friday edition of PFT Live. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. 
protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My pride won't even allow me to do that. Listen, bro, there's not 32 guys better than me. Mm. Put it like that. So you're asking where you me, at? Like, where you at? Talk, bro, talk, talk. I, I'm not 32. That feels like a long time ago that we were reacting to Cam Newton's <laughs> comments to Fred Taylor and Brandon Marshall on the I Am Athlete podcast. I mean, these weeks, I mean, it's a look, this should be. And I'm not complaining. I love it. This is great for our business. This should be as slow as it's ever been. No scouting combine. Nobody's signing contracts now with players who are about to be free agents because they're still trying to figure out how they're going to comply with the cap, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, we're getting into the speed round time. Fill in the blank version. Whichever team signs Cam Newton is getting what, Peter? Someone who wants to shove it up a lot of people's rear ends. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I can say that better myself. And he's especially motivated to prove that stupid kid wrong who was telling him uh, you're about to be poor. Free agent. The Steelers, Free agent. The, <laughs> the Steelers are blank for trying to make it work with Big Ben. Probably smart because he gives them the best option to win 10 games in 2021. Yeah, I think foolish because I think they're both going to regret this come November or December. It's time to move on. They're going to move on next year. Just go ahead and move on this year and be done with it. Whichever team gets signs, J.J. Watt is getting what, Peter? A player who will have a very good season, but only if he has good players around him. And I'll add to that, someone who will sell a lot of jerseys, a lot of tickets and create a lot of excitement from a business standpoint and be a great member of whatever community he joins for 2021 and beyond. You are blank by J.J. Watt's cryptic tweets, including but not limited to mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Mystified, but kind of happy that he is throwing crumbs out on the trail for nincompoops like me to try to figure out. <laughs> I tell you, that's more I fun than one about Sudoku. Yeah, and and it's I, it was all it reminded me of one of your haikus. He he it it, yeah. it, it almost Which had I the haiku followed structure. with a haiku. I put Excellent. a haiku in there right there after that. Yeah. The most intriguing aspect of a 17-game schedule will be what? The matchups that will happen more often than they should between teams that we need to see play each other more often. That's the key. Those extra games, those extra games, that 17th game is going to match teams interconference based on where they finished in their division on a rotating basis, but we're going to have more ones against ones. We're going to have more opportunities to see you know, Saints and Chiefs uh, than we otherwise would if they both finished first in their division. Also, nine home games, eight road games. Peter, I thought that what they would do is have just a full week of, of uh, neutral site games, but they're not going to be ready for 16 neutral site games. So there's going to be teams that have more home games than road games, and you have to wonder whether or not that creates just a little bit of a competitive imbalance if some teams have nine well, home Mike, games. Mike, the, the way they're going to have to do it is – They're going to have to have 
one side, if it's AFC, NFC, they're going to have to have all of the AFC teams at home one year and then all the AFC teams on the road the next year. Because there's no way you can say to the New York Giants, for instance, oh, by the way, you got nine home games this year in Dallas, you have eight. It's just from a competitive advantage. It's just unfair. So that that extra game, that extra interconference game, one year it's all NFC home teams, one year it's all AFC home teams. That's how you avoid divisions having some teams with eight and some teams with nine. That's an excellent point. And one last thing, too. The record book is going to get screwed up. And I remember back in the late 70s when they went from 14 to 16, nobody ever said boo about records being easier to, to supersede. But, you know, you've talked previously about a 6,000-yard pass with 17 games. It's going to happen. Well, but I think the difference is in 1978, the NFL was covered in a sane fashion by people who covered the NFL for six months a year and then went and covered college basketball or baseball. Now you have each city having nine beat writers for the whole season and and the offseason too. That's why we've gotten to the insane part of our lives, which is having a... Hey, look, look at you. You got a two-hour show. It's whatever, February 28th, 6th. Come on. It's all insane. If by insane you mean we are all gainfully employed, then I agree with you. It's supply and demand. The consumer demands it and we supply it. We're going to supply you with a break when we return. A draft of what we're missing most from the scouting combine not happening this year. More PFT Live right after this. Here's that tweet from J.J. Watt, his mini haiku. Midday naps, loathed as a child, revered in adulthood. Thank you, J.J. Watt. I was counting letters and syllables and trying to figure out what team, what, is it, what does it mean? What team is he going to sign with? I think he's going to keep doing it, and I love it. It's a nice break I from buried the otherwise. Paul. That's right. Exactly. That's what I said earlier this week. That it was like the record albums that we'd spin backwards to hear uh, to hear all the messages from the Beatles. This is the modern day equivalent of that. Okay, draft for today. Who or what are you missing most by not being in Indianapolis? This is the week we'd be in Indy. We'd be leaving right now. I know I would be. We do till Friday, and then we get out of there. Uh, so that's what we're gonna do for the draft. And I have a question for you to determine the first pick, Peter. Where was the first ever NFL Combine held? Phoenix. Oh, no. I can't even say close. It's the other side of the country. Tampa in 1982. Tampa was the first wow. uh, combine. And and just just as an idea, one of my, my favorite combine story, old school style, just to give a flavor for how far it's come. In 1990, when Major Harris, the former West Virginia quarterback, went to the scouting combine, he showed up for the workouts in blue jeans and a dress shirt. And he, I, he had street shoes, not running shoes. So somebody had to supply him with shoes so he could, he could do the events. That's what it was like in 1989. And oh, how it has changed. Well, I'll give you my, can I give you what it used to be like back in the day, the year 2000 holiday Inn crown Plaza hotel. Uh, the combine is there. The players are there. They're still there. I mean, they would be there this year, the exact same place. Well, that year there's about 15 or 20 reporters there. I spent an hour and a half over lunch with Plexico Burris and wrote a story for Sports Illustrated the following week based on my conversation with Plexico Burris for an hour and a half, okay? Now, let's fast forward to last year. 1,243 credentials issued by the National Football League, not 15 to 20. And for every player there, you were fortunate, and I mean fortunate, to get a question walking with them as they are walking off the podium and being led somewhere by security. That's the difference in the scouting combine. All right. First pick for me. And look, this is very basic, very simple, but it's also very true and authentic. The thing I miss the most is constantly searching for the Cowboys bus. Where is the Cowboys bus? It's the NFL's equivalent of the Oscar Mayer wiener wagon. You're constant. I know I am constantly looking around 
in Indianapolis for that big giant white bus with the blue star on the side. I miss that. I miss running into a general manager or coach at 11.53 in the evening. A general manager or a coach who might have had a couple beers too many and might tell me something that he would not have told me at 9.43 in the morning uh, walking into the uh, doors of Lucas Oil Stadium. That is what I miss. I miss the feeling of seeing someone and thinking I should know who it is. But when you get coaches off of a sideline, when you get general managers out of the luxury suite where you see them during their games and they're not wearing their their colors and their gear, sometimes it takes a little while to register who is that guy. And I'll give you an example. A few years ago, we had a head coach on set with us, and they're doing the row of press conferences on the other side of the room, and there's a guy at each podium. And the coach said to me, who the hell is that down at the left? Who is that guy? It was Brett Veach. But nobody know who nobody knew who Brett Veach was. They know now. He's the guy who found Patrick Mahomes. But, the, you know, you see these names, and you see the, not names, you see these faces, and they're all jumbled together, and it's like, wait a minute, which guy is that? What team is he with? And and I, I both miss that feeling and don't miss that feeling because I feel like I go through that every year, Peter. I miss my five breakfasts slash lunch uh, at this breakfast place in downtown Indianapolis called Patichu. And Patichu is great because if you walk in there uh, at – 8.15 in the morning during the scouting combine, you are going to see five people who you know because you've seen them on television. You know, so the, I miss that because I would have 45 minutes with somebody at all times, uh, you know, and I would always, I'd always get there first and I would get a table in the corner. You know why? Because you want a table in the corner. With me sitting with my face toward the room and the person I'm going to have breakfast with sitting with his back to the room. So he has fewer people coming up to him and saying, Hey coach, or Hey, you know, whoever. And so I miss that. Well, you kind of sound like the reason why, you know, as an Italian, I like to sit in the back of the restaurant with everything in front of you. You want to make sure if you're going to get whacked, you want to see it coming. So it's it's the same, but it's not the same. Last one for me, but th this is similar to it. I miss the feeling of asking myself, am I about to get punched? Now, not when it, you know, the, the, the normals, but when you're out and about and you know there's people out there that you've shared some strong opinions about, there have been times where I've just kind of had that fleeting feeling of am I about to get punched? I both miss and not miss that because it would be a hell of a story if I did get punched, but I don't want to get punched. I miss walking through the concourse at the convention center leading to and from hotels and Lucas Oil Stadium and just walking along and all of a sudden you see somebody. Last year, I saw Jordan Palmer Okay, and I talked to Jordan Palmer about he's the uh, kind of the quarterback mentor. And I talked to Jordan Palmer about his guys and who he's got. And he always comes up with two or three tidbits for me or walking along. And all of a sudden you see a trainer that you might know. And you might be able to ask him about a rehabbing player, which he can't talk about on the record. But because you know him, he might say, yeah, it's it's might be longer than we thought. Those are the things that you miss because those are the people that normally you would never see. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. There's a there's a huge difference between yours and mine. Your, yours are more work related and actually about mining information. Mine are about the experience. But uh, uh, my last one is also about the experience. I miss pretending that the dinner spots in Indianapolis are actually good. Uh, that's I miss that. Because don't we we do that every oh. year? I mean, really, that really over. I'm not going to name names, but overrated is the word that comes to mind for uh, the, the the some of the places, especially the one that everyone talks about. And maybe they use that that special sauce to burn out your taste buds, so you don't realize that the rest of the meal isn't very good. But Mike, 
you know what I have learned over the years going to Indianapolis? Don't just go here, okay? Go here. And that's where a lot of the NFL people are going now because you go here, you got this small little circle, but go through the concentric circles. Go to Bluebeard next year. That's where I want you to go, Bluebeard. You're going to love Bluebeard. It's a great place. And there are a bunch of places like that. But I think Indianapolis, I love Indianapolis. I really love it. You know why? Because I go there for five days and I never get in a car. I just so walk just to tie this, Even to tie like this Bluebeard all together. is like a mile away. But it's, it's just, it is so great to be able to go there and just to be able to say, oh yeah, that's five blocks over here. It's three blocks over there. I know they're going to move the combine eventually, to, I'm sure, to L.A. because they need events at the new NFL campus there. I will miss Indianapolis as much as I miss anything about the NFL because it is so convenient and you see everybody. It will be a huge mistake if they move it and they just don't care. They want to make it a bigger event than it already is. And the only way they're going to make it bigger is to take it from Indianapolis to L.A. So next year I'll go to Bluebeard. And while I'm looking out the window to spot the Cowboys bus, someone will punch me and it will all come full circle. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this might think, geez, you know, it'd be better to have Mahomes. Well, I'd be better if I looked like Brad Pitt. And so <laughs> you you have to live, you have to live in the world that you're in. <laughs> oh, that, I have a feeling that's the, uh, that was your Adam Gase face, Peter, that made it on Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> that's something um we got the old school we got the old school pk do we have that i thought i heard something about the old school there it is oh, that there he is. is awesome that is awesome <laughs> what a head of hair how old were you in that uh 21 years old ohio university 1978 awesome that is great uh Great, great stuff. All right. Uh, you know what? We got nothing else to get to. There's no, there's no way to top that. They could trade Russell Wilson right now, and it could come through my phone right now, and we wouldn't talk about it. There's no way to top that. Brad Pitt, Peter King, Mike Florio. Uh, Peter, uh, enjoy the weekend. We'll check out Football Morning in America on Monday, and we'll be back with a new edition of PFT Live then. Everybody, enjoy the weekend. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.